to Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. We're going to have a few reading. Ain't nothing wrong with reading the Bible, amen? Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. And then we're going to jump down to verse 20. Verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Let's jump down to verse 20. And I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether in life or by death. This morning, I want to talk to you about progress in the process. Progress in the process. And if you're a nerd like I am, you read medical journals and things like that, and most psychologists say that progress is essential to human happiness. You have to have a sense of progress in order to stick with something. If a, if a husband and a wife are continually going at each other and there's no progress in, in the marriage, eventually something's gotta give. There has to be progress in order for us to keep on going, to keep fighting, to keep pushing. And so if progress is essential to human happiness, one might ask, how do we make progress? And, and most people will say, you gotta put in a little effort. You gotta take the step. You gotta put in the effort to make the progress. And I would agree with you. But let's talk about effort for a second. You see, if I make the effort to do something, have you ever, okay, this is, may not apply to a lot of us, but if you're ever in school, you studied and studied and studied and studied for that test. You put in the effort to make that A, and then you make that C. Come on. All the time. I get Bs when I don't study, you know? And my mom's like, why don't you study? Well, if I study, Mom, you want me to get a C or a B? She goes, well, I want you to get an A well, I like your older brother. I said, well, I'm not my older brother. I'm a BC student. What does BC mean? Basic child. <laughs> I, that was Connor. We, we know what he's making in school. <laughs> See, how? In, but my, my thing is, if we need to give effort, how is something so simple missed a whole generation? How? It's so simple. All you got to do is wake up in the morning and put forth a little effort to make progress. And yet, most of us growing up, I'll say my generation, because... We would rather sit on the couch and eat chips and watch cartoons or whatever we watch nowadays or play video, play video games. You see, if I go to the gym and I don't work out, am I going to lose weight? Obviously not. Because I will sit in the gym all day and watch people. I love people. I'll get distracted in the gym. I'm like, dude, how do you get that big? That's crazy. Look how much weight he's lifting. It's because he put in the effort. He put in the time. But effort alone is not enough for us to make progress. It's not. And so we might ask, what else? What else do we need to make progress? And one may say, passion. That you need, you need to be passionate about what you're doing. Hold on one second. Back to the gym thing. The beginning of every year... What is the number one New Year's resolution? I'm going to get skinnier today. 
You're passionate about doing it. You want to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to, this is a new year, new me. We say it all the time. New year, new me. I'm going to hit up the gym. I'm going to take my creatine and my protein and I might slip in a steroid. You're passionate about, about it. But about a week later, the gyms are empty. And all, all the gym guys are like, thank God. I knew that wouldn't last. Taking my machine. You can be passionate about something, but sometimes passion leaves. We can start out being passionate about something, but sometimes our minds change. Our minds wander. See, but passion and effort are still not enough to make progress. You see, when me and my wife, my wife is Taylor, she's the one you saw up here singing, the, the blonde, short hair one, the one that's pregnant. <laughs> amen, amen. I did that. <laughs> you see, if I want to marry my wife when I was dating her, it's a true story, we were in Oklahoma, and we were in her parents' house, we were sitting on the couch. And I just got down on one knee. I said, Taylor, will you marry me? I didn't have a ring or nothing. You think I made any progress with that? I was passionate about marrying her, but I didn't make any effort to, to show her that I was ready to marry her. Now she's got something on her ring that will blind you. <laughs> Amen. You see... Passion and effort is not enough to make progress. What we need is passion. We need the effort, but we need it in the right direction. See, if I, if I leave here this morning after, I'm, after we're done, and I want to head to Miami, I want to head to Miami, but I leave going north. I'm ready to get there. I got my bags packed, I put in the effort, I packed my bags, I filled the car up, I'm ready to go. But, am I gonna make progress? Because I'm not heading in the right direction. I can be passionate about something. I can put the effort into something. But if you're not heading in the right direction, are you really making progress? See, progress is determined by my destination and my proximity to that destination. You see, I drove hard. I drove fast. I was going 90 mile an hour on the interstate. That's illegal, don't do that. I had my hand on 10 and two, well, I had my hand on 12. I had the windows down, the music bumping. I was ready to get there. I was having a good old time. I was passionate to get to Miami, but I was not heading in the right direction. See, progress is more than just effort. Progress is effort and passion in the right direction. And I love this passage. You're probably like, okay, how does this tie into the, what we just read? In this passage, Paul, see, I love Paul, I love Paul, Paul, Paul is, I think, one of the best apostles. See, in, in the book of Acts, we see what Paul does, but in his letters, we see how he thought. And I love to, I love to see how people think because it amazes me sometimes how stupid people can be especially when you're driving. Come on. If you want to cut me off, at least give me the blinker. You know? If you want to turn right, you don't have to make a complete stop and turn right. You slowly turn right. <laughs> Lord Jesus, help me. 
I'm gonna get saved this, this morning, I promise. See, in this passage, Paul was in prison. He's writing to the church, and, and he had just got transferred from so-called house arrest to the prison guard. And the prison guard is where uh, prisoners come and wait to, be, to get on trial, and they usually are executed at the end of the trial if they're found guilty, okay? So a little backstory. See, and, and what happens with Paul, look at your neighbor and say, what had happened was... Look to your other neighbor and say, eh. <laughs> so what happened was with Paul, when he moved from so-called house arrest, he was falsely accused. All he was doing was what God called him to do. He was preaching, okay? But instead of focusing on what was happening to him, he turns around and focuses on why it's happening to him. Now this is where we get to reading. Philippians 1, 18 through 26. And I love this part. It says, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. You are about to be executed, and you're telling me that's going to turn out for your deliverance? I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether life or by death, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. If I am going to live in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. How many of you have been torn between living and dying? Yeah, I didn't think so. Here is a man that said, if I die, good. If I live, good. Either way, I know why it's happening. You see, either way, I know what I've been called to do. I know my why. I know why I'm doing this. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. I would believe that, but getting there is probably not the best thing. But is it more necessary for me to remain in the body? Convinced of this, I know I will remain and I will continue with you for, you, for your progress, say progress, in joy and faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. See, Paul takes what he's going through, and instead of focusing on what he's going through, he focuses on why he's going through it. See, as long as you know why you're doing something, it doesn't matter what comes your way. See, see when, when Paul goes to prison, he knows that what he started will continue because he knows his why. He knows why he's doing something. And a lot of us just do it to do it. We don't really know why we do it. We do it because someone told us to do it. I'm gonna tell you right now, a blind sheep is a dead sheep. I don't, it doesn't matter who you are or what you're going through. You, are all, you should always be looking. See, Paul's why was to see the gospel preached to the nations. 
His, his why was to see nations changed. His why was to see his family, his city, his town changed. You see, my theology teacher always told me, she said, think of it this way. Every human being, and we usually say is like a sheep, but she turned around and said, every human being is like a submarine. You can either be laying at the bottom, stagnant, or you can be moving towards something. You could be moving toward what you're, what you're trying to get to. But when you move towards something, you make noise. You get on someone's radar. So when you're, on, when you're on the enemy's radar, you can either be doing something for God and on the enemy's radar, or you can be stagnant and dead and just go through life. I'm saved. I go to church. I'm going to heaven. That's fine. If you really wanted it that way, why are you here? Why are you here? Why are you a Christian? Every single person in here has a calling, has a mission. It says, go and make disciples of all nations. You need God's, God's name. The first two letters of God's name is go. Go. Whether that's your job, whether that's your school, whether that's your, your own, it's definitely your own family. You need to go. And you know why you're doing it. You see, it doesn't matter what you're going through as long as you know your why. See, I love what Paul said in verse 18. He said, what does it matter? Why are you worried about what's going on with me? Be worried about what you're doing. I'm fine. Whether I live or die, Christ is going to be preached because you're still out there. Don't worry on me. Don't be sad because I'm, I'm in here. You're sad. The reason why he was writing this letter is because they weren't doing anything. They were so focused on Paul and what was going, he was going through that they couldn't focus on, hey, he's fine. God's got him. Let's trust God. Let's go do what he what he's, you know, said we need to do. We need to keep going to preach. And, and, I, and I only imagine that what if Paul's followers, instead of focusing on what was happening to Paul or why it was happening to Paul, they focused on what they were doing and why. How much more people would have got saved? How many more people would have been, would have been reached? You see, here's a man that was stoned twice, beaten within inches of his life, shipwrecked, bitten by a snake, and on top of all that, he was single. I, I go, I mean, there's a lot I'm going through, and I don't know if I could have made it without my wife. This man was single. And, and, and a lot of people think that, that Paul was single because he was a man of God and he had so much to do for Jesus. I, I agree with that. But I also think that he was ugly. <laughs> this man was beaten between, stoned with the inches of his life, bitten by a snake, shipwrecked, thrown in jail, I'm sorry, medicine is not what it used to, they didn't have plastic surgery right then. This, I mean, if bones broke, they broke. So your image of Paul, of this nice figurine that was lit up and the, and the sun's shining behind him and he's walking with Jesus, I don't think that's him. I think he was one of the people that got into the dirt, that he was willing to get down and dirty and, and pull people from where they were to where they need to be. I believe that if, I believe you don't ever look down on someone unless you're reaching down to pull them up. Because you don't know what they're going through. You don't know why they're going through it. That's not for you to judge. That's not for you to, 
to comprehend. You see, when you find your direction and you head to that direction, you need to find why you're heading that way. And, and in everybody's life, every human, this is not, I don't, this is not science or anything like that. This is just my opinion. There's three Ps to every single person's life. You have the prophecy, you have the promise, but in between the prophecy and the promise is the process. And if you look at anybody who's ever done anything significant for the gospel, you will see that they had a prophecy, they went through a process, and then they had the promise. David. David was anointed king, was anointed to be the next king of Israel at a young age. Prophecy. His promise was to be king. That, used, that happened. But in between that time, he was fighting bears and lions. He was getting, trying to get killed by the king he was serving. He lived in a cave. And you remember David's mighty men? Well, they didn't start out mighty. They were thieves. They were drunks. Can you imagine being around that many people who are like that? I work construction, or I used to work construction. And I'm telling you, it ain't pretty. It's not fun. Because every word is, well, we won't go there. You look at Moses. Moses was set aside into Pharaoh's house. Right? Then you had the process. You had the 40 years in the desert. And then his promise came true. And honestly, Moses never even saw his promise come true. He never got to see the promised land. Joshua did. Why did Joshua get to see the promised land? Because when Moses went up on the mountain to visit with God, Joseph was right outside the tent waiting. What he's got, I won't. I'm not leaving here until I experience what he experienced. I'm going to wait. I know why I'm doing it because I want to be like him, but I'm going to do it better than him. But Joshua, even, even Joshua had his process. He had to wait for a whole generation to die. So imagine, imagine your son or your daughter being promised something and then waiting for all of us to pass away. Then they get their promise. That's what Joshua went through. That was his process. You look at the disciples. They had to follow Jesus for three and a half years. Now, that's not that bad. I wouldn't mind that process, right? You got, to, you got to follow a man that healed the sick, raised the dead, turned water into wine, did all these amazing things. I think I could follow you for three and a half years. But when their promise was fulfilled, they end up dying for it. That was their biggest process. They knew why they were doing it, but at the bottom line of it, they died for what they were doing. And you look at Jesus. Here Jesus was, 30 years old, had to wait, finally got baptized, dove descended, and then he had to go into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. Can you imagine fasting 40 days and 40 nights with no food or water? There's days I can't go a second without eating something. If it's in front of me, I'm going to eat it. And he went 40 days and 40 nights without. And if you are in the desert, it ain't like you can go to the faucet and you, all right, Jesus, forgive me. You know, I... I'm kind of thirsty here, so he couldn't do that. He was in the desert. The only thing he could probably drink was cactus water. Prophecy. Everyone loves the promise.
But nine out of ten times, we hate the process. But for every process, is an opportunity for progress. Wes, Will, y'all come up for a minute. I'm a visual learner. And so, like, when my teacher would talk and wouldn't write on the board, <laughs> I just kind of ignored that session. So, Wes, stand here. Will, you stand over here. Taylor, will you stand up? Yeah, you. Okay, Taylor's my promise, right? Amen. Hallelujah. Here's the process. I know I'm supposed to marry her. I know I'm supposed to be with her. Here's my what. But as long as I know my what, and I know my why, it doesn't matter what. I keep going. See, it's not just one what. It's always multiple what's. Because in order to get to your process, you're going to have to face somewhat or someone. Amen. So I come up to my next what. His name's Will. But as long as I know why, I know I'm supposed to marry her. Get out of my way. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but as long as you know why you're doing something, it doesn't matter what may come your way. And here's the thing. Some of us will give up because it's hard. Oh, Jesus. I knew I was called to do this. I knew you told me to do this. But look at all the what's I got to face. Is this really you? Most of us will walk up to something. It's hard. It's difficult. <laughs> I like it back here. Why do you think the disciples went back fishing? They went back to what they knew. They went back to where they first heard the word. See, when, when Peter went back to his fishing boat, that's all he had. He, did, he didn't know why he walked with Jesus for three and a half years. He didn't get it yet. So he went back to what he knew. He went back to, whoa, whoa hold on. He first called me here. This is where I first heard my why. So let me go back here because that what, that what was too hard. Let me go back. See, but the thing is, is he won't, he won't leave you there. He will appear every time. Every time you try and go like this, he's pulling you this way. Hold on. And sometimes he'll pull you against your will, whether you like it or not. It doesn't matter. Because if you're not going to do it, he'll get someone else to do it. And no offense, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that Christian that walks up to someone or some homeless guy or a drug addict or something like that. And I'm just like, whoa, 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 no. I might get stabbed. Here's a man in prison, been stoned, beaten, almost beaten to death. And yet he's like, I don't care. Do what you want with my body. I'm borrowing it for right now. But if I die, I mean, I ain't in no pain. You want to know why you're going through your what? It's so God can get the glory. Because every time you break through that what, every time you break through that wall, every time you break through that someone, you're showing, I got something pushing me forward more than something's trying to push me back.